millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Congratulations on making your way back to the Mine Poppers basement safely. If you're new here, welcome. Make yourself comfortable. Here at Mine Poppers Limited, we like to sit down and just have a little chit chat, a general chit chat about some of the weird and wonderful things going on in the world. Now, some weird things have been happening to me lately. Just to bring it back to me, let's start off there. You know, in my time on the internet, I have had a long, troublesome past online. And going through all these different places online, I've been there, I've seen it all. The weird, the wonderful, the terrifying, the disgusting. And through my journey throughout the internet in the last couple of years, I have just happened to pick up on my radar a lot of different people. Like, I'm the kind of person that, you know... I'm following people in different countries that I've never met before, but I may have seen, you know, a post in a group that I liked and I added them and I've I've never unfriended them, even though we've never had any conversation. But, you know, I can't bring myself to let these people go because I'm just interested in seeing how their lives develop, you know, what's going on in their lives. And I do meet a lot of strange, wonderful characters, you know, through my different journeys throughout the darkest recesses of the internet you know because before you know we started up mind poppers limited um you know i was a writer i used to do a lot of different interviews and in particular i wanted i i liked to interview people who were involved in you know the weirder aspects of life like we do here on the podcast so i found myself you know joining just lots of bizarre groups you know, out out there in the internet, like on Facebook and what have you, different groups. Now, everything from, you know, flat earthers, you know, people who believe that the earth is flat to people who believe, oh, well, what have you, I'm not looking, I'm not shitting on anyone's beliefs here, but people who live their life, say, as vampires, um, people who, you know, are into the, the paranormal in a big way. Um, I'm a member of several groups for um, alien abduction survivors, abductees, you know, and, you know, every day I'm in this group and I'm seeing people talk about their experiences and all that. There are so many people out there, you guys, that are just involved in just the weirder part of the world, you know? There's just such big, vast communities. And I find myself, you know, just kind of on the outskirts of all these different groups, all these different bizarre groups, Because I just like to see how people interact with the bizarre, with the paranormal, what have you. So in, I mean, I don't know when I, when I joined this group in particular, but it was a group um, about past life regression. 
So basically what past life regression is, is I guess you would call it maybe a form of therapy, you know, that you can do yourself or you can go and, you know, get this done to you, you can get sessions done, you can get it done in Ireland, you know, it's not all, whenever we hear about the weird stuff, we're always kind of like, oh, it's the Americans. But no, like I said, I mean, now I'm talking about past life uh, regression therapy. But remember when we were talking a couple episodes back about the alien abduction? I mean, like I said, you can go to therapists in Dublin who specialise in alien abduction phenomena and will talk you through your encounters and what have you. So anyway, I'd found myself, you know, a part of this group. I, I can't tell you for how long, for years, on Facebook, um, a past life regression group. I'm actually a member of a couple of them. But because I, you know, at one point or another, I did heavily, you know, fuck with the idea of reincarnation um, as a possibility, you know, of the afterlife. And it is something that I still do heavily, or heavily think about and do fuck with. But, you know, at just this point now, I don't limit myself to any particular... Um, any particular like you know what happens after death what have you I just keep my mind very broad very open and I just I enjoy learning about different cultures different experiences what have you so I've been in this group for years interested in seeing you know what people come up with you know a lot of people will post you know pictures be like oh I, who I found who I was in a past life or they'll share their experiences of these therapy sessions the past life regression and you know they will they will talk about, you know, who they were in a past life, what have you. Um, and I've actually gone to uh, a psychic before. I've actually been to many psychics, but one psychic in particular who was the, known locally on the island where I live as the White Witch. So basically the White Witch, her actual name is Helen Barrett. But the White Witch is, you know, I guess you'd call her the head of the Witches Council. Yes, there is a Witches Council of Ireland. Get into that. But she's the head of the Witches Council, the Witches Council, Helen Barth, the White Witch. She lives in Cove. Um, so basically, I went to see her one day. And now her, her and her family have a long history with witchcraft on this island in Cove, where I live. We have marshes, um where on a full moon you know people will say that if you go out into the full moon at least back in the day um if you went out during a full moon you'd see the witches um from the town out in the marsh um and they'd be performing whatever kind of full moon ritual what have you so i went to see helen who's obviously the head witch the witch you know i went to see her and she was giving me a general reading, what have you. And, you know, I know a lot of people are sceptical or whatever. But she was, like, renting out this office space downtown in Cove. Um, and you, if you've been to a psychic, you know it's pricey. Like, if you're going to a psychic these days, it's going to cost you, like, minimum 50 quid. Minimum 50 euro to go and get your tarot cards read, your angel card read, what have you. It would be cheaper to get your ass aid. Um, but, you know, what always appealed to me about the white witch was that i mean she charged me a tenner and i was only like 16 at the time but she took me into her office and charged me a tenner so the whole thing was she was only charging people enough so that she could cover the rent of her office you know so she wasn't really coming out with a profit she was cover she was basically just covering the cost of business so that is why i always kind of felt that the white witch you know there was something authentic about her because, you know, she wasn't, you know, I mean, like, hello, she was sitting there reading people, which is like what I do all the time. 
but she was doing it psychically and not turning a profit. She was doing it just to keep the lights on in the office. So I was like, yeah, this is a witch that I can fuck with. So I went to see her and she was telling me about my past life. I guess it was my most recent past life. Um, And she had told me that I was in New York. She didn't really give me an exact year or whatever, but I was a young, hot piece of ass, okay? Um, Which will come to a surprise to nobody. Um, I guess some things continue into the next life. (laughs) Um, Anyway, what, what the White Witch said about my past life was that I was speeding around New York City, okay? In a sports car. And basically what she was saying was that I was shit hot. That I thought that I was shit hot. Not even that I thought. I knew. I knew it. You know? I didn't need anyone to tell me. I knew it. I knew that I was shit hot. Going around New York in my fast convertible sports car. And I was reckless. She said that I was reckless. And that I was speeding in this car, right? And whatever I had done, I don't know, but got into a terrible accident, like wrapped myself around a pole or what have you on the streets of New York speeding. Um, But the thing was, I didn't die instantly. She told me that I actually had a long couple of weeks before I'd passed, before I died. So I guess I was in some sort of like coma vegetative state after my accident and then I died. Which, you know, explains why I like to sleep so much in this life. You know, maybe some trauma coming in from the past life. And may also explain why I don't drive yet at the wee age of 26. Why I have never sat behind a wheel of the car. You know, and a lot of people will criticise me for that. Being like, you're 26. You know, you're a joke. You know, you need to get some fucking wheels under you. Well, you know, if you went through what I went through in a past life. Maybe you'd understand, but you don't. So that is the only kind of experience I have had with hearing about my past life. Now, going back to the point, I was in searching through the group, right? And I was kind of searching more thoroughly in this past life regression group, more than normal, because I was hoping to find someone maybe to interview for the podcast. I was I would like to, I'd love to have someone on, whether it be a specialist, you know, one of these therapists who help people, you know, delve back into their past lives, um, or be it someone who has, you know, successfully done this themselves and would like to talk about their past life experiences and talk about, you know, their different lives and how they got there, what have you, the, you know, the weird shit um, that we love here. And I came across this guy. Okay, he looked very young, I guess. I mean, because I've been on the profile. He is legal. He's 18 from the States. I won't name any names here because it is, you know, it's a bit of a story. Um, And he had posted pictures in this group of himself side by side with a picture of Elvis Presley. And, you know, he had a big long post up, which I read. And Post claimed, you know, that this kid, you know, believed with every fibre of his being, you know, in this past life regression group, that he was, in fact, Elvis Presley in his past life. And of course, when you see that, you're like, okay, okay, you know. But what I will say, what caught my attention right to this post, usually this is something I would dismiss. I would absolutely dismiss it. Um, Whether or not he is or not, you know, who am I to say? But it just seemed a little too unbelievable. You know, I wanted, you know, maybe to source the interview with someone who just maybe had a little more, you know, connection to planet Earth. Um, 
But what I, what caught my eye was the two pictures next to each other. This guy looked exactly like Elvis Presley. He looked so much like Elvis Presley that it was actually nearly impossible for me to distinguish between them. It was crazy. You know, it wasn't even like a, a slight resemblance. This was like proper doppelganger shit. You know, this guy really, really looked like Elvis Presley. So, okay, I bit. I bit into that story, of course. I was like, I'm interested in this because this guy clearly thinks that, you know, he he believes, he truly believes that in his past life, in his most recent past life, he was Elvis Presley. Um, So, I contacted him. You know, I sent him a message on Facebook and I was like, hey, I was like, my name is Adam. Um, I host, mix and produce um, a podcast called the Mind Poppers podcast where we talk about, you know, some strange things going on in the world, you know, different stories, the bizarre, the paranormal, the occult, what have you, you know? And I was like, your story sounds very interesting. I was like, I would actually love maybe if we could do a short interview for the podcast, maybe where you could just like tell me your like your story about, you know, how you, you know, figured out how you came to the, you know, the awakening that you were in fact, you know, the king of rock and roll in a past life. And I was like, and I look, I have to admit, you do look the bulb of Elvis Presley. I'll give you that. But I'd like to hear the story. You know, I'd like to hear the story. So we kind of chatted a little back and forth, what have you, and he said that he would be up for doing an interview for the podcast. So I gave him some details about how he could contact me and how we could, and different options of how we could um, conduct the interview. So I hadn't heard back from him in a couple of weeks and I had kind of gone out of my mind. I was like, okay, well, well what's going on with this kid? Um, so I'd actually gone onto his Facebook page. We were friends at this stage on Facebook. Again, no connection, not friends, but like Facebook friends. And I'd started going through all his posts or whatever. So on the regular, this kid, you know, who believed he was Elvis Presley was clearly mentally ill, was clearly mentally ill he was just a little unhinged a lot unhinged actually and I don't say that in a degrading way I mean the kid you know, had issues it's I mean we all have issues but this guy had issues issues you know um it was like very it was like this kid was clearly battling a lot a lot with depression like ev- like multiple posts a, a day saying you know that you know, he wanted to kill himself, that he he um, was just so depressed and he'd given up on life and all that, which we can all relate to. We can all relate to, you know, when, when we're that age and, you know, we're struggling with depression and, like, are finding out who we are and all that. And I guess, I mean, the, the tremendous pressure on your shoulders, knowing that you were Elvis Presley in your past life. I mean, hello, you know, how are you going to live up to that? How, if you were Elvis Presley in your last life, how are you living up to it now? You know, what are you doing in this life? So I don't know if um, that is what, you know, maybe added to this guy's depression or whatever. And like I said, you know, I may be sounding like a bit of a smart ass, what have you. But this 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 guy truly believes that he was Elvis Presley. Um, and he was going through a tough time, I could tell. And he still is going through a tough time. I was just on his Facebook there yesterday and, you know, he posted, oh, there was an ambulance on the way that he was finally getting the help he needed and he was being checked into um, a mental facility. 
um, like a hospital or what have you. I don't know. I don't know. You know, there are a lot of mess going on. A lot of mess going on. You know, very similar to like the Amanda Bynes meltdown is what this kid was having. And I was like, how weird that me just like happened to randomly add this person from a group who I do not know who's on the other side of the world um, going through all this. And then me following their life, you know, Nosy Parker, you know, just seeing all, all the drama that's going on in this person's life. So anyway, this guy went to a mental hospital, I guess, the other day. But the interesting thing, which is just adding to this person's misery, I can only imagine. And look, I, God, I'm sending positive vibes, you know, your way. Like 100% positive vibes. Um, But this kid, you know, had just shared a photo a couple of hours ago with a picture of Elvis Presley and his wife Priscilla Presley, or former wife Priscilla Presley. Um... And, you know, I guess it was like some like screenshot from an article or whatever, you know, kind of pointing out the whole paedophilic uh, kind of tendencies of Elvis Presley, the king of rock and roll. Yes, because if you did not know, and I, I talked about this on Instagram, Adam Riley. Oh, but I talked about it before. But just in case you didn't know, Elvis Presley, you know, was 25 years old when he met Priscilla Presley, who was 14 years old. So Priscilla was, you know, just a kid. Um... When they started dating, Elvis, you know, would ask, because I, th- I think maybe they were in Germany and Elvis was, he, he was part of the army at this stage. So he Elvis had gone to Priscilla's parents and asked, you know, was it okay if he, he took her out or whatever? So the, he used to take Priscilla, who was 14 years of age, you know, 11 years younger than him. He was 25, out on dates, what have you. So this kid started freaking out. He was freaking the fuck out. Because he was kind of doing this kind of whole thing like, oh my God, like, oh my God, um, I can't believe I was a paedophile in a past life. You know, he was like, I can't believe I did this. And I was like, oh Lord, oh Lord, like this kid doesn't have enough trouble, enough trouble, okay. Now he's unfortunately stumbled across the news that yes, in fact, Elvis Presley, at least in modern society, would be classified as a paedophile. You know, as and as a child molester. Um, so now I have this kid freaking out. Who, uh, like, I just can't. I can't unfriend. I can't. I cannot lose out on the drama. This kid now is freaking out from his mental hospital because he's just found out that in a past life he had married or he had, you know, been engaging, I guess, in adult relationship with a 14 year old. I mean, give me strength. Give me strength. You know? I mean, look, and I feel bad for this kid. Of course, I got sympathy, okay? Of course, I got sympathy for this kid who thinks that he's Elvis Presley, um, who, whose, life, whose life unfolding drama that I cannot just take my eyes off. Um, of course, I have sympathy for him and his sudden realisation that he was a paedophile in his past life, okay? But just seeing all this shit, it's, it's, it is a lot. Now, this guy, okay? This guy... Does not know the name of the podcast, okay? We are no longer friends on Facebook. So, you know, you don't have to ever, you don't have to worry about him hearing this, okay? He's never going to hear this. But nonetheless, you know, I tried my best to get, you know, the former king of rock and roll on the podcast. But, you know, circumstances are difficult. And you know what? I knew that I would never interview him on the podcast. 
when I saw he was going through all these struggles, you know, with his mental health and, you know, clearly, you know, has got a lot of issues. You know, I'm not a Zoxa while I did study psychology for three years. I, I never want to exploit anybody, you know? Um, but again, it's just an example of just random drama that I just can't I, can't, I can't take my eyes off. Drama from around the world. And it's not my first time getting caught up in this internet drama either. I remember when I was younger, I had a YouTube channel. Yes, a YouTube channel that nobody knows about. All the videos are privatised. And on this YouTube channel, I used to read tarot cards. Yes. So my subscribers would email me with a question, what have you, and I would give them a reading. Yes. On YouTube about, you know, all the different shit, whatever, all the different questions that they had, I would, you know, ask the ask the stars, you know, what these people should do. And I'd built up a small following on YouTube. And I remember for one of these readings, for the tarot card readings, a woman had had written in. Um, I'm not sure where exactly she was from. She was from the States and she was, I guess, I'm just making the presumption, you know, more than likely Mexican or Mexican heritage just from the name. You know, it was a, a Latin American name or it could have been a Spanish name. I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but, but you get where I'm going. Um, and she had emailed me and asked, you know, she said that she was like, dear Adam, um, when I was like back in my Mystic Meg days, she's like, dear Adam, she was like, I'm not sure um, if me and my husband of like 20 years are working out. Um, she was like, I have been contemplating a divorce for some years now. She was like, you know, please, you know, give me your guidance, your advice. And this story is true as God. Um, so I had, you know, I was doing the tarot cards on my YouTube video for her. I think her name was Angela. I'm not sure. Um, her first name anyway. <clears throat> I won't give you the second. Um, so I was doing the tarot cards. And again, I was like 15 when I was doing this on YouTube. So like over a decade ago. And, you know, I, I was doing the tarot cards for her. And I had read her question out loud, you know, on the video. But I'd actually said her name. And not just her first name, but her full name. So I was like, Angela, redacted, you know, has written in. And wants to know if she should divorce her husband. Whatever. So I did the tarot cards. And as it turns out, the card said, yes, in fact, Angela, you should kick him to the curb. You know, don't blame me. That is, I, I didn't, I did not, you know, go out of my way to break up a marriage. That is what the universe was telling me there and then, you know, so I had to convey that message. But, so video uploaded, whatever. I check my emails the next day and there's like six emails frantically sent in by Angela, who is having an absolute meltdown, begging me to take down the video. She's like, you have to take it down, you have to take it down. Now the video had been up for like two days or whatever it was before I actually had checked my emails. And she had said that I, obviously I used her full name in the video. And look, I mean, the video wasn't getting like a lot of views. Like these weren't like viral videos. It was like getting like a thousand views, you know? So... Like, it's not like her, I, I thought I was okay saying her, her, her full name because what are the chances that her husband is going to be, you know, all the ways in America and like is going to stumble across of the billions of videos on YouTube, you know, the video of a 15 year old guy from Ireland, you know, doing tarot cards, you know, it's the odds were astronomically low. But what I didn't, you know, account for, what I didn't think was she had actually went on and informed me that, um... Her husband, um, herself and her husband, they actually shared the YouTube account. 
while it was under her name that was the both the account that they both used so obviously she was subscribed to me so obviously when he went on my videos were on the home page and he saw the video he saw the video of his wife writing in to me 15 year old me in Ireland telling her that she should divorce her husband so he also saw that she was having doubts about I know it's awful I know it is awful but she had also seen that she was having doubts about the marriage um because of course me old big lips big lips Riley you know um psychic to the stars had spilt the beans but again again I'm sorry while I do take some accountability now looking back I, I mean I was 15 I did not know how to conduct myself I did you know I didn't even think about the ramifications of using this person's name or whatever I was just happy to have people writing in and asking for my spiritual guidance you know I mean as I, and I feel like Angela you also you know who I haven't spoken to in over 11 years and god I don't know I should actually go and look for that email but how was I to know you know that you and your husband shared a YouTube account you know how was I to know? You have to take some responsibility for that, Angela. Ah, uh, yes, you do. Yes, you do have to take some responsibility for that. How was I to how was I to bloody know that you and your husband shared a poxy YouTube account? Do you know? So I feel like you have to take some responsibility for that, you know? And while yes, I, I feel like maybe both of us played an equal part in the in the break in the ruining of that marriage. Um I, I feel like more so you. Because you've been having your doubts anyway. Maybe, you know, maybe what? Maybe it was the universe. Maybe the universe was just using me as a vessel to end that marriage. You know? So I wipe my clean, or my hands clean of that. If anything came from that, and she obviously never got back in contact with me again. She'd removed me. I'd never heard from that person again. So I don't know if the marriage ended up breaking or like breaking down completely or whatever. I don't know how she even explained it to the husband. All she told me is what that is that he saw the video. Um, so I don't really know what happened to them. You know, I wish them the best. But again, can we really blame me for the universe using me as a vessel? I don't think so. I don't think so. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Now, in the same way that I may have been, I mean, I guess it's up for dispute for sure, but in the same way that I may have been a vessel for the universe, 
There is another vessel that I would like to talk about on this episode, and that is the vessel of the Annabelle doll. Now, there was like rumours flying around the internet like crazy, um, I think it was last night, the last couple of days, whatever, that the Annabelle doll, so if you're not familiar with the Annabelle doll, you're familiar with the Conjuring horror films or, you know, and then the subsequent prequels, you know, the Annabelle movies. Basically, Annabelle is this haunted doll in the movies um, that is possessed, what has you, and goes around killing bitches or whatever. Um, basically, think Chucky, but with a snatched wet ass pussy, okay? Um, but, I digress. The story of Annabelle. It was always, you know, very interesting to me because I actually thought The Conjuring was a fantastic horror film and the, the sequels were also fantastic. Um, and it's, you know, it's rare that you come across a really good horror film. It, it is truly rare. The market is so saturated. Uh, but just in case you aren't familiar with the, the films and the context, whatever, um, basically, Ed and Lorraine Warren they're two very famous paranormal investigators um, in the States, in the United States. Um, they were kind of doing it, you know, before a lot of people were doing it, if you get me. Um, they're actually very old now. Actually, Ed is dead and his wife, Lorraine, you know, remains. She is also a clairvoyant psychic. But they seemed to be, I guess, the real deal or as close to the real deal as, you know, we could expect. They seem to be two very kind of trusted and reputable people um and it is through their stories you know that went on to inspire the film the conjuring and, and these paranormal investigators they were also the paranormal investigators the real paranormal investigators who you know were at the scene at the amityville horror um which you may have seen the the terrible movie the terrible movie but ryan reynolds the amityville horror um also present at the ainfield Uh, haunting over in the UK so and these you know some of the most prominent hauntings throughout history you know in the last hundred years they have been the people that have been called you know they don't just wander up these are the people that you call so it's through them that these movies were inspired um you know all of them based on true stories and what have you so if we're familiar with the Annabelle doll I was really interested in hearing about Annabelle's origin story was there any truth to this doll or was it just simply movie magic? You know, was it just something added into a, a quote unquote true story for fluff? But it turns out that Annabelle does truly exist. Okay. Now, Annabelle isn't the, um, you know, the, the gruesome, like creepy, eerie porcelain Victorian doll that she's portrayed in the films. No, in fact, she's actually a Raggedy Ann doll. So, and I guess that's an American thing, but the Raggedy Ann doll, you'll know it. It's like soft, plush, big head, pale face, you know, kind of has the red straw kind of hair, what have you. <clears throat> so the story goes that in the States, uh, a, a young girl called Donna, who was training to be a nurse, had moved into an apartment with her friend Laura. The two of them were training to be nurses. So Donna's mother, once she, um, once they'd moved into the apartment, Donna's mother gave her a gift. And that gift was a Raggedy Ann doll. And she just wanted, you know, just a 
for the doll to be there for company. It was, you know, reminiscent of something that Donna had in her childhood. And basically it was just the mother's way of, you know, giving her something of comfort, you know, while, you know, Donna was now living on her own um, in this apartment block with her friend and training to be a nurse starting her life. It was a, it was a gift from the, her mother. So every day um, before going to work, Donna would leave the doll, the Raggedy Ann doll on the bed. Just would leave it like sitting up against a couple of pillows. So as the days went on, it all kind of happened very fast. But as the days went on, um, Donna would come home from medical school. Um, I mean, or wherever nurses go to school. I mean, I couldn't tell you if there is some sort of Hogwarts for nurses. I don't know. But every day she'd return home from medical school. Donna started to notice that the doll's position would change slightly. So, and this is, I guess, the as close as we'll come to the true accounts as told by Ed and Lorraine Warren. And Donna would say, according to the reports, that the doll would be in different positions. Only slightly, though. She'd come home Sundays and, you know, the doll might have its legs crossed, you know? Um, get into that. You know, imagine coming home and Annabelle be like, where the fuck were you? But, so she'd come home and sometimes Annabelle would have her legs crossed. She might come home another day from medical school and Donna would see that the doll would have its arms crossed, you know? And it was kind of weird. And Donna was, you know, had assured herself that it wasn't her roommate, Laura, playing a prank or whatever because both of them were going out at the same time, according to the reports. So she couldn't really explain how the doll had been, you know, slightly moving and she wasn't sure it was her imagination or what have you. On the last day the doll moved like this, when she came home, the Raggedy Ann doll had its legs crossed on the bed and its arms folded in its lap. Again, she didn't really know what to think of this. As the weeks went on of them living there, Donna and Laura had seen that the Raggedy Ann doll was actually, when when they'd come back from work, the Raggedy Ann doll would be in a different room. And they just couldn't explain how this was happening. And this went on for several more weeks of the, the doll not being in the position where they left it when they were going to school. Um, it was, you know, somehow being in, in different rooms. Um, so they, of course, wanted, wanted to find a logical explanation for this. And, and they thought could, you know, possibly someone in the building, you know, be playing a prank on them by, you know, illegally entering the apartment or whatever. So that what they used to do was leave markers on the windows and leave little markers on the doors and what have you, just to see that if someone was actually coming into their home when they were away, that they'd leave a trail. And they'd be like, okay, well, obviously something, something's going on here. As the weeks went on, the doll continued to change the position and continued to be in different rooms. But none of the markers were out of place or what have you. So, so nobody was entering Donna's home. No one was entering Donna's apartment. And things continued to just get weirder. They decided, because they had no rational explanation for, for how the doll was seemingly getting up and moving and what have you... So they called um, a local psychic medium who came to Donna's apartment um, as the records go, you know. The, the, the medium came to their apartment 
and decided he, she sat down with Laura and with Donna and was like, I think we should do a seance and we'll just see if if anything spiritual is going on here. And if something spiritual is going on, then, you know, we, we, we'll go on from there. So the psychic medium, Donna and Laura sit down at the table with the Raggedy Ann doll. The psychic medium starts the seance. Soon images start coming to the psychic medium of a young girl, seven years of age, playing in a field. So it turns out that before their, before Donna and Laura's apartment block was built, it was just fields. Underneath it was all fields, but before it was used for construction. So the psychic medium had been, was getting visions of this young girl playing around in the field whose life suddenly came to an end. She, she, she wasn't sure how she died. She couldn't see a, a death per se. She couldn't see like a natural death, but she just saw that life had stopped at a certain point when this girl was seven years old. The psychic medium told, um, sorry, I'm just I'm here alone telling you guys this story and I'm getting a little freaked out myself. You know, because a lot of people say that when saying these spirits' names out loud or, or what have you, that that is actually, you know, can be a way of drawing them in, inviting them in. So excuse me while I get a little freaked out myself. So the psychic medium <clears throat> had told, was telling Donna and Laura this, that... Yes, look, I'm, I'm in contact with the spirit of a young girl who's seven years of old, seven years age. Her name is Annabelle Higgins um, and she died. And that when these apartment blocks were built on top of the field that she used to play in, I guess where her spirit, you know, would wander because it hadn't passed. She now wandered to the halls of the apartment block. And that when she saw that the two of you had moved in and that you, you were young, and she saw that you, you with this Raggedy Ann doll and she was attracted to that because, you know, the, the spirit of the seven-year-old girl was so alone, but finally felt, you know, she had people, I guess, to play with is how the psychic medium phrased it. Um, and she grew an attraction to this doll. So the psychic medium asked um, Donna if it was okay if Annabelle lived in the doll. Um, and of course, Donna and... Laura, who were a little freaked out, but also a little relieved that, you know, it wasn't something more ominous, that it was this, the spirit of a young girl. They were like, yes, of course she can. Um, and the psychic medium, you know, had got up and left and, you know, every, ev everything felt okay. You know, they had made their peace, but okay, yes, there was actually something going on with the doll all along. It's the, the spirit of a seven-year-old girl who has attached themselves to this, to these two. So from then on, Donna started treating Annabelle like a little girl. You know, she'd sit her at the table, she'd sit her in bed, she even brought her a, bought her a little friendship bracelet, okay? But things would soon escalate. Laura, who was Donna's roommate, had a boyfriend called Cal. Um, and Cal said, or sorry, <clears throat> yeah, Cal said to the two girls that... Um, that he, that he doesn't like Annabelle, he doesn't like the doll, that he thinks that the doll is kind of like manipulating them or playing tricks on them or just making them go crazy, what have you. As it turns out, Annabelle didn't like this. She did not like it one bit. Suddenly, 
according to the reports, again, according to the reports, notes started to appear throughout the apartment when they'd leave for work and they'd come back. Um, there would be notes left around the apartment um, and they would have been written and they would say, or one of them said, help us. And another one said, help Cal, who was the boyfriend. The Donna and, and Laura d- didn't have a clue where these notes were coming from because as the reports say, they had no parchment, you know, around in the apartment or, or pens or what have you. So they didn't know where these notes were coming from. One day they came back from work and they opened the door and upon opening the door of the apartment, there was a stool right in front of the door. When they opened it, there was a stool and on the stool was Annabelle and the reports say that the Annabelle doll, the Raggedy Ann doll, was kneeling Um, and they were shocked at this. Because if you've ever seen a Raggedy Ann doll, it, like it's not like a, a hard plastic doll. It's literally plush. It doesn't have like, you know, like bendable joints or what have you. Like it does not have the facilities to kneel up. And they tried to recreate this kneeling and they couldn't. So they were freaked out. They were freaked out. Things continued to get stranger. You know, the usual act, the usual activity had been going on about Annabelle, you know, changing position being in different rooms, unexplainable, the notes, Annabelle on the stool. One day they came home to find Annabelle on the bed with, as the reports say, blood on her hands, on her little, you know, velvet hands, whatever, what seemed to be blood, and three distinct blood uh, dots on her chest. They were getting freaked out by this because suddenly this this you know the spirit of the the seven-year-old girl who they made their peace with and had, had taken in had seemed to things seemed to have taken a more sinister turn i guess but things were about to get even worse and they were getting worse for the boyfriend cal ever since cal had disrespected annabelle and had trying you know kind of like convince the two girls oh just to get rid of her or whatever he'd been plagued with nightmares for weeks of Annabelle just plagued of different horrifying images nightmares visions what have you of just terrible things the reports say that one night he woke up to find Annabelle hovering above him he woke up to find the doll hovering above him as he slept And the doll kind of stayed there motionless with its big black eyes staring down into his. And suddenly sprung down and its hands started choking him out. You know, not sexually. (laughs) But you know, the the doll's hands started choking him down. And he said that in the reports that he pushed back and he pushed back. And and this thing had the strength that, that no fucking plush doll would have. Or never mind a seven-year-old girl. And eventually he flung it to the other side of the room and left the apartment. He, he had to get out of the apartment. Things were had just gone from bizarre to fucking just plain freaky, like impossible. He didn't come back to the apartments for a couple of weeks. When eventually... 
He came back to the apartments. I don't know. Maybe he convinced himself that it was it was nothing more than a nightmare, whatever. On his first night back in the apartment, it was just him and Laura alone in the apartment. Donna was out. The couple woke up because, according to the, the report, they heard a loud banging noise coming from Donna's room. So he got up, Cal gets up, goes to the other room, goes to Donna's room, opens the door to find the Annabelle doll discarded in the corner. So he walks over to pick her up when he says he was physically assaulted. When he went down to pick up the Annabelle doll, he felt seven, um, as he described it, claw marks rip at his chest. Lo and behold, once he lifted up his shirt, the claw marks were there. Something, some invisible force, what have you, had clawed at his chest. So now, three of them are back at the apartment. And they know now that something, something is just isn't right. You know, so they decide to call in. They, they go to the local church <clears throat> and they get the local priest down. They tell him, you know, about all the strange occurrences that had been going on surrounding this Annabelle doll. And how they couldn't explain it and how things had started to get violent or whatever. Now, the priest said that this was a little out of his jurisdiction. He didn't know how to handle it. So he went up the ranks of the priests. You know, I, I don't really know what kind of order that they have. But, you know, they'll go up and they'll say to a superior and that superior will say to a superior. And, you know, keep going up the food chain. So somewhere up the food chain of the clergy, they said... You, we need to get in contact with Ed and Lorraine Warren, who were the notorious paranormal, paranormal investigators at the time. And, you know, I guess, realistically, the most famous paranormal investigators, you know, to have ever lived, you know, at least in modern society. So it was, and this is, this is the truth behind it. It was actually the church who reached out to Ed and Lorraine Warren and brought them down. So Ed and Lorraine Warren arrive at the apartment. They sit with the Annabelle doll and they sit with the housemates. They listen to the stories that the housemates were saying to them. And keep in mind that um, Lorraine Warren was clairvoyant. So that she had, you know, some contact with the spirit world, you know. And keep in mind, she had been on the scene and investigated and helped some of the most notorious hauntings around the world. The terrifying thing was Lorraine turned to the three housemates or well to Donna and uh, Laura and said that this doll was never um, or there was never a seven-year-old girl living inside this doll. She said that the presence inside this doll was inhuman. It was never something that was human. She said the visions that the psychic, the psychic medium had been getting were images, were false images given to her to trick her. Lorraine said that there was actually a demonic entity that had attached itself to the Annabelle doll. And because the two had, because Laura and Donna had already given permission for this spirit of the young girl to live in the doll, they had invited this demon. They'd given it power. So it was actually a demonic energy in the doll it was a demon it was never the spirit of a young girl it was a demon masquerading as you know a lost lonely little girl all to take advantage of these people so 
they asked Ed and Lorraine Warren, would they take Annabelle? Would they take her away because they just don't know what's going to happen, what have you? Because Lorraine had told them that destroying the doll wouldn't be enough. Destroying the Annabelle doll wouldn't be enough because that is only the vessel. Annabelle, the doll was only the vessel. The, the demon was the problem, which, you know, the demon we'll call Annabelle. So Ed and Lorraine Warren take Annabelle home with them. And according to the reports from Ed and Lorraine Warren, on their drive home, the Annabelle doll, they had sat in the back. I said on their way home, they could feel the anger, nothing but sheer anger radiating from this doll from the back seat. They said that the car started malfunctioning several times, that it would stop, it would stall, it would veer on the either side of the road, all coming from this doll. The, the Warrens recorded three different instances where they nearly got into a fatal accident driving home with that doll. To the point where Ed had to turn around and he reached into his um, his bag, his, I guess, bag of supplies or what have you, and took out holy water and started throwing holy water on the doll while they were driving because the doll had, you know, as they claim, had nearly caused them to to die to to have a fatal collision uh, you know three times on their way home so they get home and they have the Annabelle doll the Warrens have a large room which it's actually a museum it's a place that you can actually go um the Warrens have a, a museum I guess you would call it of these different haunted artifacts and the reason that they keep them there in this room in their home is because they'll do less danger there than when they're out circulating in the world. You know, the level of harm is minimalized. So they had a priest over one day to bless the Annabelle doll and to have a look at it and what have you and just offer a blessing, a protection, what have you. The priest picked up the doll and said um, something along the lines of, according to the reports, oh, you're just a raggedy Ann doll. You can't hurt us. Ed laughed and said, I wouldn't say such a thing again. The priest kind of laughed it off. He did his blessing. On driving home, and again, this is according to the true reports, you guys. On driving home, the priest got into a terrible accident. Um something to do involving the trailer of a tractor his car was completely totaled according to the priest's testimony the priest said the last thing he saw before colliding with the tractor was the Annabelle doll in his rearview mirror I know I know I've goosebumps I've goosebumps even even talking about this I, I, I really truly do but it didn't end there the priest had contacted the Warrens and, and, and told them what happened and they knew that they had to, they had to, you know, get shit sorted. So they put the Annabelle doll in a, they constructed a case for it, which, where the Annabelle doll is still on display. Um, a glass case, a wooden case, but you know, with a glass door, what have you. Um, and they had written on, um, they have written on the case, positively do not open. Positively, do not open is word for word what they have on the case. And they get a priest to come every day, according to reports, <clears throat> and bless the doll and bless all these haunted artifacts in their house. 
and this blessing every day, then according to the Warrens, you know, according to Lorraine Warren, who, you know, is, I guess, a very famous psychic. She said this energy from the prayer or what have you from the priest, the blessings, they help contain the demonic energy, the evil. One report, <clears throat> and again, this is true, all the stuff you can Google. One report recounts of a young man who had visited the Warrens' home. Sometimes they'd invite people in, I guess, for, for just educational purposes or whatever. And, you know, they could see these haunted artifacts. One young man banged, was banging on the glass of the Annabelle doll, making fun of it, what have you. Ed and Lorraine were like, don't do that. Don't ever do that again. Don't ever do that. The guy didn't take it seriously. Went home on his motorcycle. He never made it home. He died. The last thing he saw, Annabelle. Okay. You know? So the story of the Annabelle doll rings true. And now, you know, present day, Ed Warren has passed. Lorraine Warren is still alive. Um, they don't really run the museum anymore with the haunted artifacts. Um, because I guess Lorraine is, you know, very old now. And I guess it'd be just too much work, whatever. But they have, I guess, a successor, if you want to call them, which is Ed and Lorraine's stepson. So he inherited all the haunted artifacts. And now he's taking, you know, the responsibility on himself of, um, you know, I guess, safeguarding these haunted artifacts, keeping them in one place, making sure they don't go out and, and circulate anymore. Um, and he, you know, has said that a lot of people have offered him big money to purchase the Annabelle doll. One, according to the reports, one sum came in, an offer was made to him of $1 million to buy the Annabelle doll, to buy the real Annabelle doll, and he refused to sell it. He said that he couldn't in good conscience put the Annabelle doll out into the world because there is untold harm that that demon can do, that energy can do. You know, which which to me adds a lot of credibility to their story, you know, and to their testimony. Because if this was a money racket thing or what have you, and as, as far as I'm concerned, the Warrens, you know, they, they weren't rich, you know? They weren't, you know, celebrities as such, you know, they weren't rolling in the dough. So it, to me, if this was all about money or what have you, you know, you know, which because, you know, when everyone tries to credit something like, ah, that's when he a money racket, you know, they're in for the money. You know, their stepson turned down a recent offer of a million dollars to buy the Annabelle doll. I think that speaks volumes. And obviously the story of Annabelle is in my head right now because of all these news articles breaking that the Annabelle doll has escaped. I mean... I don't know. I mean, I, I went and I tried to do my research, what have you. The doll now resides with the stepson. He is now protecting all these haunted artifacts. All of these news articles started circulating on a big buzz on Twitter about how Annabelle had escaped, you know? And I went on and I read all these articles. A lot of them were debunking it, saying that Annabelle did not escape. You know, Annabelle is still with, you know, this stepson, the Warren's protege. Um... But I can't find any origin source for where this, you know, alleged, I guess, rumour started. 
So I, I don't know. I, I can't really get to the bottom of this. What one thing we can be sure of is Annabelle is still out there. You know, whether she is confined in that case still. Or has she truly... Is she out there roaming free? Is she about to go and find a new home? Or a new vessel? And it was interesting because Lorraine Warren, the clairvoyant, said that the doll was more of a temporary resting place for Annabelle. That the that ideally this presence would want a human vessel. That was the end game. It wanted a human vessel. And Lorraine said that if you are vulnerable, then it would be you. You know, if you're the vulnerable person, it would be you. I'm fucked anyway. I'm fucked because I am just vulnerable. Like, come see me tomorrow morning, Annabelle, if you want to see vulnerable after I am, you know, wrecked tonight because I'm going on a mad one. You know, there there would be no, there would be no challenge Annabelle getting into this vessel tomorrow, you know, so we'll see, we'll see what happens. All right, you guys, we are going to leave it there. I think that is all the spook I can handle because I have the chills. I've actually freaked myself out. Um, Don't remember, do not judge me too harshly for the whole breaking up a marriage story. Okay, I was merely a vessel, just like Annabelle. And like I said, keep in mind that I haven't been able to confirm the reports, you know, or not of whether or not Annabelle is truly on the loose. So keep an eye on your dolls, you guys. Um, You know, maybe she'll come back as a sex toy, like a dildo, you know? Then, you know, then we'll everyone be fighting to have Annabelle in the house, you know? So we'll see. Uh, in the meantime, I'm Adam Riley for the Mind Poppers podcast. Stay woke. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.